right. All right, are we ready? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Product Happy Hour, where you can go to happy hour with your favorite product people. That is us in your sweatpants. We are product folks here to share what we've learned often the hard way over great drinks. Why happy hour? Why not? It's the best way to get the inside scoop from grizzled vets with the scars to prove it. Thanks for giving us a listen. The best ways you can help us keep this party going is to head to our Substack page and subscribe at producthappyhour.com. Paid subscriptions are either $5 a month or $30 a year for some brand new sparkly key benefits like templates that'll help you do your day-to-day jobs as PM and Q&A where you can ask us anything. That's right. We're answering questions right after this for the first time. I'm so excited. It's literally one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year to have us answer any question you have and help you out with anything you need. Finally, please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts for easy listening anywhere, anytime. With me, as always, is Zero Joe Hall. Hey, Ira. What's happening? Hi, everyone. I'm good. Welcome. Today, we're demystifying user testing by teaching you the lingo and sharing some hot tips on how to use it to step up your impact. I've executed and actioned on more than 100 usability studies and observed more than 80 hours of user interviews. Yes, I still have spreadsheets where I keep track. (laughs) (laughs) And by the time this gin and tonic is done, you're going to feel comfortable, like you know what you're doing. And you also know the most effective way to use the sharp knife that is user testing. And Ajay, I am so happy we are talking about this because you always build lots of cool shit. And I know they didn't get cool that way without user testing. I also don't see a glass. Are you going to make me drink by myself? Oh, of course not. I would never make you drink alone, dude. I have a glass of makeshift ranch water today. Nice. It's a very smooth tequila shot with lime LaCroix. That's the makeshift part. Uh, It's supposed to be Topo Chico and a real lime, but no limes. So this is just as good though. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think it works. I also added some orange bitters. It's pretty lit. I think it's going to hit me pretty fast, though, so we should probably roll into the episode. One thing, though, we should probably figure out our drinking game. What are we going to drink on? Okay, I say the word bias. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, we're going to say that. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) We're going to say that a lot, for sure. All right, let's start with uh, user testing, and let's get crystal clear on some definitions. So first things first. When PMs say user testing, they actually mean usability testing. Am I right or am I right? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, usability testing, I hear a lot, but I also hear people say like user research, UX testing. To be honest, there are like a lot of terms I've heard thrown around. Um, It's kind of frustrating. There are. Let's make the definitions crystal clear for our listeners User testing or user research are umbrella terms and they can be used interchangeably. They encompass the stage of the design process where you evaluate your product or service with real users. This includes trying to learn about their behaviors, patterns, frustrations, goals. Essentially, you're trying to understand the psychology behind their interactions and their feelings about it. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. So what is usability testing then? 
good question. Okay, usability testing is a little more specific, but the goals are the same. It's about testing the functionality of a website, app, or other digital product by observing real users as they attempt to complete tasks. The users are usually watched by researchers working for that company, but many times PMs do the observation and facilitate the setup. This varies company to company. I've definitely been required to set up and run usability testing with my design partner. Not every company I've worked at had researchers available to set up, observe, and compile usability findings. But when we have had those researchers, it's actually been super, super helpful. Yeah. I mean, it's so nice when you have someone who is specialized in that and you know does it by the book. Um, I kind of started in user testing from the absolute bottom. Like I started doing in-person card sorting. Do you even know, do you know what card sorting is? Yeah, it's actually a really useful exercise. I hadn't been exposed to it until recently. We did it for a, for a product that we were working on, but it's, it's really great. I'd love to I, learn more about it. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's kind of old school the way I did it. Like we literally put out a Craigslist ad and we we're like, hey, come to our company and tell us about how you like to shop. And then basically it would take me like, and we were just getting local people like, so there wasn't like a spread across different demographics. It was just like, whoever was free at two o'clock on a Wednesday, you know, <laughs> just mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's kind of biased in that way. What would take me like three or four hours with three participants, you now can do in like 30 minutes and you can learn like 10 times as much. I'm not even exaggerating from a more diverse population. And you're probably going to get more precise styles than this like old school, like card sorting that I used to do. Maybe we should actually tell people now that I think about it, what types of tests are not usability tests. Yeah, please go for it. I could use a refresher too. Okay, good. So first, A-B tests, not usability testing. Um, don't get called calling your A-B test a usability study because A-B tests give us quant, guys. You know that because you already listened to the quant and qual episode, didn't you? Shout out to episode uh, five. Yeah. Oh, you have the episode number memorized. I love it. Um, yeah. So it's the usability testing. We kind of need to understand the why. Like Ajay was saying, like you want to know the psychology. So an A-B test can kind of tell you if something is working or not relative to the control, but it won't tell you why they converted. They're, the psychology and like motivation of the conversion is not really available to you um, in the output of an A-B test. Another popular research method is surveys. Surveys are not usability testing. They don't allow you to actually observe users on the site in action, but lots of usability testings have like survey questions embedded. But yeah, like don't waste your time like sending a survey monkey if you want to interpret actions. Um, there are other methods that are actually better suited to understanding motivations. And uh, last, another one that is not like usability testing on its own, but is a nice chef's kiss compliment is heat mapping. Have you ever used a heat map? Oh, yes. Heat mapping uh, is great. Isn't you it? You get it on products like... Um... Like full story and hot jar. It's yes. really awesome. Yeah. It's so good. And also I feel just so cool using it. I'm like, oh, look at the heat map of my that's exactly what I want it. Basically, if you if you've never used a heat map, it like it will take your feature and lay over um like a perception of like where the most clicks, the most eyeballs, 
the most like engagement is happening. Um, now this is not usability testing because it kind of like gives you a lay of the land, but again, doesn't tell you why. Doesn't like if you had like a like like one time I ran a test and I looked at the heat map, there were a lot of clicks on the little uh, magnifying glass in the search bar, and I was like, oh cool, people are finding search. No, they were clicking it a lot because it wasn't expanding when they would click in the bar to type the thing, you know? So like, okay, cool. People have found search, but they're clicking a lot there. You don't understand the reason. You don't, you don't know the motivation. Does that make sense? Oh, that's such a good reason for using usability testing. Yes. You, when you use these heat maps and you use some of these other tools, even, even like quantitative data, yeah. you'll see things in your data and you're just like, why is that happening? And then you find out that like something is, fucking broken <laughs> yeah like, honestly you think you're being successful and instead it's just like people rage clicking actually you know something that's great on full story is their mm -hmm. rage clicking rage clicking feature a hundred um where you can see that somebody is rage clicking based on their algorithms <laughs> that's like I mean, that's how this stuff has evolved it's like why yeah. even do studies that are divorced from the actual product you have a digital product how are people using that digital product but I mean, I say all of this now because <laughs> I've sucked at user testing for so many years. <laughs> and now I'm like, well, well, let me tell you about it. Um, I mean, hopefully this is why we're doing this podcast. Like we want you to well, save like, time and look smart. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, that's exactly why we're doing this. So we I want you guys to learn from our mistakes, learn faster than we did for sure. Because it definitely yeah. took us a long time. I took us a long time. Okay, so now you know the lingo. Now you know a little bit about some of the things that are usability testing and some that aren't. Um, but Ajay, um, how do you know if the study type is like, is it, well, is user testing like an essential part of being a good PM? Or is it kind of like nice to have? Like, is it a vitamin or is it like life support? What's your hot take? Oh, oh it's, um, well, I'll say... TLDR, depending on how you use it, it can be both. Uh, but let me tell you specifically how it saved my ass. First, okay. um, it made me change my prototype. Prototyping is a crucial period in the product life cycle. In the product life cycle, it's the beginning. It's the first pass of functionality. And there are plenty of unknown unknowns. Imagine taking the wrong turn at the start of a trip. You could get way off track and have to backtrack quite a bit if you don't check the map. Getting to a place where you feel confident you're solving problems and creating impact requires testing and iteration. The best piece of advice I have is to take your prototype to end users instead of some internal strategy discussion. A room full of stakeholders can add marginal insight compared to real users because those stakeholders are likely to be outside your team, but not entirely new to the problem you're solving. So they mm -hmm. have a bias too. Yeah. Um, oh, so, drink. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I was like, huh? Cheers. Oh, yeah. Bias. Cheers. All right. <laughs> you got me. Mm. Ah, nice catch. Smooth. Hope uh, hope you had a drink or drank your coffee in your car on your morning ride to work. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a real example. A real okay. example of how I learned this lesson. I was tasked with overhauling our mobile app experience in a previous job. And when we started doing that, we made a fatal error early on in not starting with a customer problem set that was firmly understood. We instead assembled a wish list of things that we wanted to attempt 
based on what we had learned so far and put them all in a prototype. So already not the best start in the world. Um, we spent a month or two on this prototype, which was a really long time in consumer product land. Oh my God, a month, is. four weeks, that's two sprints. Yeah, I'm reliving painful memories in my <laughs> mind. Um, eventually we hit a checkpoint and went into user testing. I swear it was really like watching Wile E. Coyote hit a brick wall. Uh, <laughs> Almost everything we had designed that was new got torn apart by users. They really ripped it to shreds. Um, I was humbled, for sure, but also really thankful in retrospect. Imagine if we had shipped all of that stuff with no usability testing. We would have spent months, maybe even years, trying to figure out why it wasn't working. It was like we were trying to play a game and we thought we had all of these great cheat codes, but it was really game over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, even though we had all this experience and these previous results under our belts, we failed, but failed the right way. You really do have to be objective about how it should, could, or would work once it hits real customers. And that's the value of usability testing. It's amazing how much talking to customers can really bring that stuff to light. Yeah. I, I wish I knew this sooner. When you know, or when you think you know what it should do, and you try and facilitate a usability uh, testing or a, a study, um, it can bias the way you ask questions and set up the test. Oh, drink. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like listening and I'm like, oh, this is a really great point about usability testing. Just, <laughs> man, just keep getting caught. Okay. Yeah, so okay. it's it's hard because you think you know, like you built this cool thing. And you're like, oh my God, we need this. And then you run it through usability testing and then people use it in a, a novel way. You never thought that they would <laughs> use the search bar to try and get to the help page. Oh my God. The number of times people type help into the search bar. I'm like, what the fuck, guys? Yeah. It's in the menu. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's what you expect people to do and what they actually do oftentimes are very completely different things. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we talk about this in episode one, system one versus system two, where mm -hmm. oftentimes people are in um, an unconscious state or a semi-unconscious state when they're <laughs> browsing your experience and they're doing stuff that's really kind of hardwired in their brain, not not uh, rationally thinking about it. They're in system one, not in system two. So yeah, yeah, you're gonna get weird stuff, but you're getting real behavior, and that's why like surveys and like these kind of like guided tests, like you're you're interrupting people's system one thinking, you know, by prompting them, and then they have to think about what they're gonna do, and then they have to say it into the mic while it's getting screen recorded, and so like there is inevitably some level of B-I-A-S. <laughs> <laughs> Even in yeah. how you set up your surveys, like how you set up your standard surveys, how you set up your usability tests, you just like have to be aware of it. But something is better than nothing. That's my thought. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, bias. I said because uh, I want to take a drink. Um, <laughs> Uh, so bias can leak out even when you have the best intentions. Um, a couple of more, a couple more benefits of usability testing are that it can confirm your feature or product meets expectations, and you can identify complex flows. Like if you think people should land on your webpage and follow a CTA to sign up, 
Uh, it helps you make sure that they can actually do that. I've seen the CTA get hidden by promotion banners and have two small tap targets. While those things are minor and you can fix them, what about the more complex features with different user patterns? So you know, usability testing can really help with that. Um, if your feature has more than two steps, you better keep your eye out for the complexity of usage. Things can get messy really fast, right? Yeah. I mean, like you think two steps, oh, not a big deal. But what if the second step is like, click on, follow this link? What if that page like creates a lot of bounces or people weren't expecting that page? Like you think it's simple because you built it, but it's not like how many times have you been frustrated with a piece of software? Like now, do you want to be the builder of that frustrating piece of software? If you don't, you will test. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Okay. So there are some tools that can help you be a better tester, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, I think I could be a good tester, but like I said, you could introduce bias. Oh, crap. We got a drink now. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Still, my third... just like, oh, I'm just like really listening to what Ira has to say. Man. It's great stuff. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. Yeah, there's, this is a nice little buildup. So what tools um, can help you? Um, should I share? Uh, oh yeah, you should go for it. My ranch okay. water is getting warm and my vision is getting blurry. So okay. we better <laughs> jump right into it. <laughs> okay, let's go. Also, we're not sponsored by any of these companies, okay? I wish we were freaking sponsored. We're not. This is like legit, like useful shit. I've even paid for some of these on my own because my company didn't have the budget or they didn't have the time to set it up or like there are too many hoops of fire to jump through. So I was like, screw it. I'm just gonna like download this myself and use it. Um, but um, for your purposes, there are two main groups of tools that can help you understand the motivation and psychology of your users um, that are relatively self-serve. You can like set it up on your own. You don't need a software engineer or like someone special. The first group is um, kind of this display your prototype and watch people walk through it with prompts. Like you prompt them through it um, and you get to pick the people who go and see your prototype on these ty- this type of tool, um, you get to pick them yourself. You can be like, okay, I want like six users from India. I want like seven users whose native language isn't English. And I want 20 users who are familiar with e-learning. Like you could get really nuanced uh, depending on your needs. Um, yeah, so uh, for this type, this type of testing, I've used usertesting.com and userzoom. Ajay, have you used either of these? Uh, I've used them both. Which one do you like better? Oh, God, I love usertesting.com. Usertesting.com is great. Usertesting.com looks so much better compared to UserZoom. Like UserZoom should run usability testing on their usability tool. Uh, it's like not good. It's like buggy and like my like my hard like work I put into a prototype, then like screen like flits out and then people are like, oh yeah, this is a bad prototype but it's the software. Mm. Uh, I also feel like I don't get good testers. Like I get people who are just like there to collect money. They like click through everything. And then that, you know, surveys kind of useless. Okay. And, and I should preface this by saying like the last time I used user zoom was in 2021. Maybe it's got better. Mm. Don't come for us user zoom. Okay. Don't come for us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, like I said, usertesting.com. You guys should all check that out. Um, I've used it in multiple roles. It seems to get better over time. And since it's recording video of people 
on your feature, like you're going to have to watch a lot of video. Like it's easy to run tests there. Um, but what usertesting.com does is they use AI and machine learning to look at your video and then annotate what was a negative comment and what was a positive comment. And so oh, that's sick. is that sick? So you could have like a 38 minute video of someone like rage clicking on the search bar or trying to sell something on eBay. And instead of watching 38 minutes, you could press like watch positive sentiment and it will make a freaking highlight reel for you of everything that was good and also everything that was bad. Isn't that sick? It was like, that's oh my God, sick. save my t so much time. Okay. Yeah, these tools have gotten so much better. Aren't they? They're so much better. Great. It's so, kind of dumb if you don't use it because they're so easy now. It's like, why not? Why not save you know, yourself time, energy, um, the cost of a long A-B test by just doing a little upfront usability testing? Yeah. All right. Let me drive us forward. So what's the second group of uh, usability tools you can use. Okay. So this is like a less guided set of tools. They're basically just screen capturing what people are doing on your website. Okay. And it's like, you're observing them in the wild. Like, you know, you're Jane Goodall watching apes from a bush or something. Um, and those tools are uh, full story and hot jar. So they will like basically screen record people coming to your site, what tabs they open, what things they click, what things they rage click. And the amazing thing is these tools have gotten so good, they classify friction points. So again, you don't have to watch, like get there with your popcorn and your coffee and like watch video after video. You can watch these kind of, you can take a feature and get a metric output that says, hey, there was a lot of friction points in this video. Like full story will tell you, you had 19 rage clicks on this feature today or 18% of this page's interactions were dead clicks or dead links. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's amazing. Rage clicks for the win. That's when yeah. somebody clicks multiple times fast or shakes their mouse in rage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how Full Story will capture friction points. It's so useful. I've also seen it create dashboards that report on dead clicks, error clicks, uncaught exceptions. It's useful at all parts of the product lifecycle in my experience. I can watch sessions at launch and use it for monitoring and alerting going forward. Um, do you mind if we also just kind of recap what it'll look like in like a usability lab? That way you just kind of know what to expect when you're walking in there. You mind if I recap on that really fast? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so, you know, the more official uh, style of usability, uh, usability testing is where um, in person or virtually you'll be watching users come into a lab type setting. Um, and that's where you might see a user sitting in a room and the rest of you, yourself and your designer and engineers are sitting in another room. Um, and the user researcher is working with that person over a microphone. You might get a video feed where you can see the user interacting with the product while the user researcher is asking questions and you're all assembled and being able to talk about that. Now, of course, with uh, COVID and things, this might be a remote thing now, um, but it's a sort of similar style setup. Usually the user researcher has like an education background in user research. Um, you know, we worked with somebody that had a PhD in that, which is yeah. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you really kind of get to get into the weeds of how people use these products. You'll also see like eye tracking 
Have mm-hmm. you seen this? Like, yes, man. Where it's really cool. They put on like a, a set of goggles. And so you can see where their eyes are moving and, and using your product, which is why it's such a great tool. It's like you really kind of get a sense for what people are looking at, how they're interacting. Um, and it's why our tools here, our tips are going to come in handy uh, mm-hmm. when you end up in these types of scenarios. Yeah, this is good recap. Okay, so we kind of covered the what, the why, a couple of real life examples and what it's like to be in a usability lab. That's so cool. Let's actually round out this episode with our best user testing unlocks for PMs. Like what is usability testing going to do that's going to make me look like a more impactful, smart PM? Tell me. Okay. All right. Here are my best five hot tips. Hot tip number one, actually attend your usability study, whether it's in person, in a lab or remote. I highly recommend that you do that just so you can kind of get a feel for how people are talking about your product, how they're using it. There's really nothing like being able to watch that real time. Um, You can even like sometimes when we were in the room together, we would ask the user researcher to mute and we would ask them to ask the user questions in real time about what we were seeing or what we had seen Mm. from previous users that had come Mm -hmm. in. So you really only get to do that type of stuff when you're actually attending the usability study. So try to make space. We're busy. We talked about in the last episode, PMs are super busy. So we get it. If you can't make everything, of course, that's really hard, but try to make as many as you can. Hot tip number two, don't just watch clips. Try to watch a couple of usability studies all the way through to get a feel for the actual flow. It's a lot like hot tip number one. You really want to get a sense for all of the different nuances in which people talk about your products. We think that's really important. Hot tip number three, watch for micro interactions. Where do people hesitate? Or where do they give you a puzzled look? That kind of stuff, again, was related to hot tip number one. You want to be there so you can observe that type of stuff. Um, But really those little micro interactions can give you a lot of information. Maybe if they're hesitating, that's why you're seeing some uh, funnel drop off in your experience. Um, So getting those micro interactions in as inputs is really helpful. Uh, Hot tip number four, pull up quant data in something like Amplitude to marry what you're seeing in the study with real data. Um, if you're seeing people hesitate and you have something like Amplitude or Mixpanel, you can see live while you're in a usability study if you're seeing drop-off there. Maybe they're hesitating and that's causing your funnel conversion to go down and you can see it real-time and identify it there. And also make sure that you've instrumented everything and, and you have that capability Seth talks about that in episode six. If you want to check that out, it's, it's really, really a, a superpower when it comes to usability studies. And last one, hot tip number five, use Hotjar and Full Story as complements to A-B tests. Uh, you're not going to be able to get into the lab every time. In fact, putting together usability studies can be pretty labor-intensive and time-intensive no matter what setup you're using. So using things like Hotjar and Full Story can really help you get access to real qualitative user insight fast and feed that into your into your actual work and into your A-B testing. Oh my gosh. Did I cover it all? So good. If I knew this when I started, oh my God, it'd be incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much for recapping those. I think it's time for cool product things. Let's go. Let's do it.
Okay. All right. It's that time in the show where we talk about cool product things for the uninitiated. Cool product things is where we talk about a cool product thing we found in the wild that represents a key product concept era. It's my turn this week, and I have a doozy for us. Oh, do you? Do tell. Yeah. All right. Well, for this week, we're talking about a cool product thing that's really just playing the hits, deeply understanding core problems and solving them in the Zero Fasting app. You ever heard of the Zero Fasting app? You oh, my this? God. Do you use that? Yeah. I've been thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Okay. Um, so we are expecting baby number two soon in the Wagre household. And I can say from experience that parenting is much harder when you are woefully out of shape. Uh, so fasting has actually worked pretty well for me in the past and I'm back into it to get prepped for baby number two. I've been using zero. I've used it in the past to track fasts. Uh, but what they released recently really blew my mind. Uh, they started factoring activity into my fasting phases. Um, so yeah, it's pretty wild. So I didn't know this. My zero app told me actually. Okay. But if you exercise while you're in a fasted state, your body burns through glycogen and enters the fat burning stage faster. Did you know that? Um, what is that? Glycolysis or glucogenesis? Something like that. Uh, oh, I don't okay. know what I'm talking I don't about. know the exact Okay. I don't know the exact scientific term, but let me uh, not spread just... misinformation. Sorry, guys. Well, I think they I mean, clearly the Zero app also knows its audience because it didn't tell me any of that shit. It was just like, hey, by the way, if you Do work this. out while you're fasted, you know, it'll be better for you. You okay. burn fat faster. And I was like, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so, um, so the Zero app now takes in my activity data and adjusts my fast phasing depending on how much activity I did and what kind. Hmm. Uh, so before, I thought I wasn't really burning fat. When fasting, I was just restricting calories. Now the phases are personalized to me and show the true phases that I'm in. It's a classic strategy, deeply understanding fasting science, applying learning in the product in an effective way, which then makes your customers happy, they trust you more, and they want to continue to be subscribers. Well, That's my cool product thing for the week. Yeah, what do you think? Dude, so good. I, I have that app. I'm going to open it now. Thank you for sharing. It's really good. They actually, um, at some point in their journey, they really doubled down on the science behind why people fast and, mm -hmm. and how to lose weight, but also longevity and like mm -hmm. better quality of life. So they, they have actually done a really, really excellent job. But this new thing was just like, oh, my God. What have you done to me? Now I'm just going to be in her all the time. <laughs> I like that. It's like it's motivating to you, but but they're providing information to you that's helping you make decisions. It's helping you use the app more effectively and feel like you're getting value out of it. It's That is definitely a cool product thing. Very nice. All right. And that's a wrap. We did it. Episode did 11 it. in the can. Episode all 11. Right. Cheers. Cheers. All right. And uh, thank you, as always, for joining us for Product Happy Hour. If you enjoyed Happy Hour today, please support us by subscribing at our website, ProductHappyHour.com. There are two options, $5 a month and $30 a year. For one Starbucks latte a month or one DoorDash order a year, you can get those great paid subscriber benefits, templates, and Q&A. Help from your favorite product people in your inbox or on your phone, just a click away. 
You can also support the show by following the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also rate the show on your platform of choice. really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram or TikTok for clips at ProductHappyHR. And please share with your friends and spread the word. The more people at the bar, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.